Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Erica. Hello. Oh my, I have to get situated here. I'm Erica Compulso, reader. First of all, thank you, Walter, for asking me. It's, it's an honor. I don't really get over to the side of the hill, and it's a whole other world. Look at all these people that I don't know. I know some of you, but yay. Um, to qualify, I have two years and eight months of recovery out of relapse, and I'm maintaining over 100-pound weight loss with God's help. So. <laughs> Hope you guys are okay with pictures. Um, what it was like, I have a very long, meandering, winding story. I could probably take an hour to tell you the whole thing. Um, and I don't want to get stuck in what it was like for too long. But basically, I always like to say I'm a diet-in-the-wool compulsive reader. That has been my answer to everything in life. I um, come from parents that are addicts and compulsive readers, and I'm grateful that I never went down the road of the, the drug addict part. But... Food has always been, like, the main love, and, you know, I was the fat kid in school. I was teased. I, you know, fourth grade was very shocking to me because I went from a very loving school to a public school where I was called Raging Bull, and I was, like, still to this day, I'm still trying to get over people my own age, like, because they can hurt me. They can hurt me unlike anybody else. And um, and just had that outside looking and feeling all the time, and I would I would dream about the day when I would lose weight, and I would become popular or accepted, and then I would show everybody, and, um, you know, and then I'd go home and eat. That was how I dealt with everything. And um, the darkest, not the darkest time in my compulsive reading history, uh, because there were many of those, but um, what got me in a program the first time is my, height, my top weight of 250 was reached when I was 19 years old. And the years leading up to that were very dark. I did everything I could to stay away from school, and I ended up actually dropping out. Um, and I was just, school was miserable for me. It was a way for me to, I just, I, as it is, I have trouble interacting with people, but you're, you know, 250 pounds in a wool coat, and it's 90 degrees out because you don't want anybody to see you and you cross the street when you see a group of kids because you don't want them saying anything to you. And it was miserable. And so my life became avoiding school at all costs. And my only love at the time was um, I rode horses and I had a little horse business, so that kept me plenty busy, and I made decent money doing that. So I had the horses, no school, and Domino's Pizza. That was it. And I still think I know the number by heart, the Burbank Domino's on Olive. And the guy would bring me little extra Noid toys, if you remember the Noid that they had on their... T- <laughs> He's like, here you go, you're such a good customer, take these. And I was like, okay, and please bring me more pizza. And, you know, I was the, I was the one that would, uh, you know, I would eat a whole pizza, usually a large, and then mom would come home and then it would be like, what's for dinner? Or, or lunchtime. It could even be lunchtime, depending on how bad the, the day was. And uh, 
So that was like how I grew up. Those were my teenage years. We're talking no boyfriends. We're talking lots of television and lots of isolation. And I hated a lot of people. I was really angry. Um, bitch on wheels. Sorry, tape. But, um, yeah, I, I really I had a lot of anger. And I still do, but I just control it better. No, I work the steps, so let, let me go there. Um, anyway, I had been introduced to program a couple of times um, my mom had gone a few times when I was younger and brought me, but it really wasn't, I was so young that it wasn't anything that really sunk in. And, but I'm grateful because it planted the seed. And what happened is she started going when I was 19, <clears throat> and my binge buddy was suddenly gone. Because I'm an only child with a single mom, and we would, we were like, partners in crime with food. It was just like the greatest thing ever. You know, I would be, you know, eating the Baskin and Robbins, driving, and she would hold the steering wheel for me. It was like, you know, to, in sync, yeah. <laughs> and um, I just, I hit a physical bottom where one day I had somewhere to go or me out in public, and I checked myself from the neck down because I had a habit of just doing this. Oh, you're just so pretty. Look at that. Wow. Um, you know, and I, I checked the whole package out, and I lost my mind. I lost it, and I couldn't stop crying. And my mom had been going to OA for a couple of months, and she stopped binging with me. But there was no, you have to go, you should do this. It was just by example. And so I finally said, take me to those meetings. I have to go. And I have to say it was really quite a blessing. I spent five years in program the first time. And I was lucky enough to get involved with a sponsor that was also in another program and very strong into the steps. And it was like, you have to work the steps, you have to work the steps. How would I know you have to work the steps? I'm like, you know, fresh behind the ears and like, no, I don't know, but I'm, I'll do whatever you say. And I remember sitting in that, those first few meetings and, and I had that idea always in my mind that nothing will ever work. I will always be fat. I will never be a normal size. And I'm just going to sit here and maybe something will help, but I don't see this working. And you know what? It works. It, it absolutely does. And so for five years I worked the steps. Um, we kind of melted some of that icy, you know, rageful thing I had going on. Um, and I got down to a, a pretty, not in a health, I got to a healthy weight, but it wasn't in a normal weight. I was still a, a little bit overweight. And things started getting shaky towards the end because <clears throat> Erica was pissed off that she didn't get to her healthy by her goal weight. And I was pissed off that the two friends I had in no way, we kind of went and parted ways. And uh, the two meetings that I went to, all people did was bitch. And... I couldn't see, you know, it was all always fault. Suddenly something that had saved my life, that I had warped through the steps all the way through. I had made amends. People at work were no longer dead to me because that's how I dealt with everything. You're dead to me. Don't talk to me. You know, this is a professional atmosphere, and I'm telling people they're dead to me, and I'm not, I won't talk to them. Um, so I had so much growth, but towards the end, the food got really loud, and God and the program got really quiet. And then I got really bitter, and I was like, if I still feel like eating after a meeting, and I still feel this angry and uncomfortable, then basically OA can kiss my ass. Sorry, OA, I don't feel like that anymore, but that's how I felt at the time. Okay. And, um, 
And I have to say, those in that last year, I had made my sponsor my higher power, which I've learned since then is not a cool thing to do. It doesn't work because they do, people disappoint you. Um, so I had problems with the sponsor, and I also had that last five-year that five-year chip and that five-year candle was a am I abstinent or not question, and that is like the worst place to be. You know, am I really clean? Did I really did I really earn this? I mean, for me, that just I can't do that again. So I left and um, made a big old mess out of things. I do not recommend leaving ever, 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 <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, and I left with an attitude, which is really bad, because it's like, you know, oh, I can handle this, I can do this. I didn't actually think that I could control my food, though. That's something I have never been under the illusion that I could control my food. Well, at least not like in the diet mentality way. And so I proceeded for six or seven years to um, yo-yo diet. I have been up and down. I've never been up to 250 again, but I've been to 220. I've been to 230. And my uh, diet of choice was love addiction. So if I had a guy I was fixated on, then the weight would go down to like my fighting weight of 188. I was really hot at 188, or at least acceptable. You could look at me at 188. Um, that was like my real all-time low. And, uh, and then if there wasn't a guy or if I had gotten hurt in some way, then it would be, I mean, 30 pounds in a month easily. Uh, and I'd go back up, and people would be like, what the hell happened to you, you know? And I worked in a very unforgiving environment. I worked for the railroad for eight years, and part of it I was on the ground doing all of the things that the men do, and, you know, all of a sudden you blow up like a blowfish, and they're like, they won't, they're not shy. They will tell you. They're like, what the hell, lady? Um, what am I going to say? I'm a compulsive reader. You know, they're not going to get that. Yeah, I could throw the effing switch just as hard as you can. Shut up. So, <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um... So needless to say, those those seven years, I do not recommend it. It brought me back on my knees, and I brought I came in through. The, I call it kind of the back door because I had to go to the program for love addiction because this girl could not. I was involved with somebody that I hated so much. I hated him, like, with every fiber of my being, and I couldn't breathe without him. And that is, like, if that ain't the story of uh, a big problem, I don't know what is. And I was really looking into, could drugs fix this? I wanted to be, actually, I wanted, I remember calling up a family member and being like, can I be locked away somewhere because this pain is too incredible. And so when I got into that program, then I went into withdrawal. And that's when the food just really came out. And um, I always say that I binged on um, cheap white bread from the 7-Eleven, which that, I'm not that kind of binger. I am a quality binger, you know, like <laughs> Whole Foods and, well, Doritos and Domino's. But there's none of that cheap white bread stuff. I do not go there. And I ate a whole loaf. And I'm like, this is the bottom, okay? And <laughs> But in all seriousness, the the real bottom was that it didn't take away the pain. And that was, like, one of the scariest. That and looking at my body from the neck down that time were two of, like, the, of the most in-your-face revealing, like, I'm screwed moments. Like, that's it. And I gained 11 pounds in a week, and I went... 
maybe you should go back to OA. And maybe you should stay this time and not be bitter and pissed off and, and then leave right away. Because um, I had come back to a few meetings sprinkled throughout those six years. And so I came in, I came back, and I was mad, and I was angry again, and I was like, don't you people know I had five years of recovery who don't, you know, hello? And, um, <laughs> of course, when I chose to talk to anybody, because I didn't really want to talk to anybody. Um, but I had the sense, I had the, the knowledge of my prior experience to know that I needed to find a sponsor that worked the steps, that really focused on the steps. And I know for me that it, I, I need somebody that's loving, but I need somebody that's going to call me on my crap. They're not going to be like, yes, I love you. I don't care what you ate today. It's fabulous. You know, let's have a warm embrace. You know, if that's the kind of sponsor that you need, then fine. But I need somebody that's going to be like, I know you're saying this, but I think you really need to talk about this, and let's look at that, and let's do some work on that. And, I, you know, as I cringe, but, you know, that's what you got to do. So I really dove into the steps, and I was fortunate enough. I have ne- I'm not had the same sponsor my whole time in OA. I mean, I first came in in 1991, so there's been a few changes, but... Um, I got to be with one sponsor for a couple of years, and she was very loving, but she she was on top of me. She was on top of things. There was no, like, I could, you know, the people that call, what is it, um, a piece of cake a vegetable or something, like a, a Twinkie a vegetable. Like, I wasn't quite that bad, but I could just get, I could work my way around just about anything. And so we went through the steps again, and she was wonderful, and I got to the lowest weight I had been to that date. Actually, I hit my original goal weight from when I first came in, and what a surprise, Erica was pissed off again, because, are you kidding me? I still have a fat stomach, and I still have a this, and I'm still the size this, and blah, 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 and so I lowered my my goal weight, got to that, lowered, and then went, let's go lower, lower it again, and... During those, those, I had three years at that, that point, and I had had a lot of recovery, and I've worked, walked through a lot of things, and I dealt with, oh, my God, I'm a normal body weight, and I feel raw, and I don't want people to talk to me, and all the guys in program creep me out, <laughs> and uh, I actually stood up at the 100-pounders and said, I'm not here to date any of you people, crying, because I was really freaked out. I was really honestly freaked out. I mean, it was no offense to any men. It was just like, I feel like somebody has ripped away my skin, and I can't stand it, and... Um, Boy, talk about walking through some feelings and not eating. And But I have to say, during those three years, my ego was very wrapped up in the whole thing. My ego was in, you know, looking good, what you're wearing, what people think of you at the meetings. Your abstinence is more important because of that and not because of the serenity it brings you and because that you're getting closer to what, closer to what your higher power wants you to be. Like, that's not what those three years were about by any means. And so what happened, the reason I bring up the goal weight issue is because I got to a place where I was, once again, discontent. I I was like, I should look different. I should feel different. I should have men lining up around the block to date me. What are you talking about? Isn't life like Melrose Place? I mean, come on. And, um, 
you can tell I spend most of my time being educated on the couch, watching television. And, um, and I, I became, what happened is Erica's ego became very large very large and it started taking over and it started edging God out, ego edging God out. And um, and it got ugly and it led it, it to what it did is it took away my foundation for when things got really hairy and frightening and really bad stuff happened. Uh, I wasn't prepared for it. I was like I was I was unable to handle it. And I dealt with things like a chronic illness. I dealt with um, the not working for three years. I, then I got a job and they told me if you don't pass the um, stockbroker's exams, which for me were very difficult, um, you will not have a job. And, um, and then they put me on fat maker medicine to try to help the, the, what was going on with my body. You know, I call them the fat makers. I couldn't tell you the names. But I'm telling you, when the weight started creeping up, I started freaking out. And I like to call it the perfect storm, but really it was just me holding on, saying, you know what, God, this is too big for you. I'm going to try to handle this one. <laughs> and uh, whew, because, you know, fear of financial insecurity is much bigger than you, and I'm just going to freak out about it, and that's the way to resolve this. And, and it started, my relapse started with a creep. Have I done the second 10 yet? No, okay, thank you. Um, it started with a creep, and then it, called, then it became, I've gained 14 pounds, am I still abstinent? Then it became, I'm calling myself abstinent, but I'm calling my friends after the meeting, or after binging, saying I can't stop eating. Or I'm in the Whole Foods parking lot, and I just bought bags and bags of stuff, and I can't stop. Or before a meeting, I was even shoving them in before a meeting. And it got to the point where I came face-to-face with, are you abstinent or not? And I had a very long list of foods that were on my abstinence that I would not eat, and thinking that would make me safe. And it did not make me safe. It made me (laughs) defiant, because once I took the most, you know, non-threatening item off the bottom of the list, then my addict said, okay, now it's time to go up the list until you hit the big mother, which is, for me, sugar. And... I just, I kept on a trucking, and um, I have to say that I had gained uh, probably 20-something pounds, and then after that I gained 50 pounds in four months. And talk about pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I have never in my life been in so much pain, and I have never sat in meetings. You know, my biggest fear used to be that I was going to leave, like somehow I would leave again and I would be lost. And I sat here in these meetings eating and being quiet and wishing, not wishing I was dead, but not knowing how the hell to get out of it. And, you know, I got up to 220 in my relapse, and I was working in a bank, and I I try to relate some of the, the, the pain of the relapse was that I was going through clothes fast. I went from a size 8 to a size 20 in, like, the blink of an eye, and... I had one pair of pants left in my closet, and I had to go to work the next day, and I knew if I ate one more time, I wouldn't be able to put those pants on the next day. And I, what do you think I did? Because <laughs> I died. I ate. I ate. And I don't, for me, it's an event. It's not, I'm not a grazer. I'm not somebody that binges and starves. I'm like, 
when it's time to do it, it's like I'm the person that sits on the bed with a bag of this, a bag of that, a bag of that, and a bag of that, and eats until I'm sick, and then passes out, and then gets up and eats some more. So, not pretty. It wasn't pretty. <clears throat> so what happened is I just, <laughs> then I started getting desperate because I wanted my life back. I wanted abstinence back, and I was sitting in the meetings, and I was looking at the people. Thank God that had the light in their eyes, that light, that spark of recovery, that the only, the thing that, you know, you're connected to your higher power, you're working the steps, the, the wheels are turning, they're greased, and, and things are good, and it, and even talked about it in the big book, where, you know, Bill was surrounded by these people that had that something, that something that no matter how bad his life was and how dark it was, he wanted what they had. He wanted what they had, and that's what I felt. And when I got past being, actually, I don't think I was really pissed off with these people for, for having recovery. Um, my ego was very bruised. I mean, somebody did walk up to me, and, and another person who relapsed at the same time and said, how does it feel not to be an OA star anymore? And I was like, are you saying this to me? Really? Are you serious? <laughs> wow. And we still remember that. The two of us, thank you. The two of us still remember that. Um, when I got past that, I, that was what I held on like a life preserver. Like, I want abstinence back. I want that feeling of... And I heard somebody share at a meeting last week about it, of getting up the next morning and having had a clean night and a clean day before and not being hung over and sick and your body aching and hurting because you've been binging the night before. Um, and so I started asking people, especially old timers, long timers, you know, what why have you never relapsed and what do I do to get out of it? And I had somebody she's got a forty bazillion years and she said I think she said, just keep coming back, honey. And I was so mad. I was like, I want the formula. What are you talking about, lady? But the person that really made a difference for me is a a good friend of mine. He said, "Um, what were you doing before that you're not doing now? And when my ego, like, shut up and said, I'm doing everything I did before. What are you talking about? You know, I had to really look at, um, you know, why isn't this working? And invariably, you look back, and there is, for me, a recovery. I have a recovery, like, checklist quotient that if I don't do certain things, I'm going to eat, period. Um, So that was a big eye-opener for me, a good reminder. And the other thing was just getting open and honest in meetings and and just letting it all hang out. There's so many people that have watched that watched me blubber just because I could only get a day or two together and then I would lose it and then I'd get a week and then I'd lose it and I had to talk about that I had to talk about that I wanted to go home and eat that night and that I couldn't stop and that you know hello I'm no longer an OA star I mean you can see this but I had to really be clear about you know, this is what's going on with me. And I tell people today that are struggling and, you know, they they want to send me their food. And I'm like, you tell me exactly what you eat. I don't care if you ate five dozen donuts. You need to tell somebody about that. This is my personal experience. Because the more secretive I am and the more I try to get away with stuff, the more I'm, like, on a sinking ship. It's just not pretty. So, um... I'm really grateful that uh, at that same time I started working with a new sponsor, 
and she was slightly scary, which was really a plus. And um, <laughs> I've always tried to work with 100-pounders. I actually don't currently have a 100-pounder sponsor, but I feel that there's something extra special <laughs> for those of us that get up that high. There's just something a little bit screwier, at least for me, that, you know, I just can't do the, I don't know. I just need, I need a certain amount of work in this program or else I can go off course very quickly. Um, and so I got out of relapse, and now my, the last two and a half years have been about facing life without the food and not becoming a basket case and not being locked up and, you know, cleaning house, cleaning house. I, my first year of, of abstinence out of relapse, I filed bankruptcy and had to walk through the hell that they put me through to file bankruptcy. Um, and I did that without eating and I did that while losing weight and the losing weight wasn't about what size I was going to get to. And it wasn't about how you thought I looked. It was about just for today, I'm going to follow my food plan and I'm going to trust in God and see what happens. And I always tell my sponsees, nose in the book and keep your eye off of everything else. Like that scale and who said this and who did what and that program over there and blah, 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 blah. It's like for me, my recovery comes when I'm just like, okay, I'm focused on the steps and I'm staying out of the results. Now, I'm not, failing, I'm not saying that, that that's like what happens all the time, but that's when I have the most peace. Um, and this has been this last, actually it'll be a year and, this last year and a half has been really, um, I, I would like to say traumatic, but it's actually God and the universe saying, you were on the wrong course, my dear, and we're going to switch gears big time. We're going to do like a, a whole other change in direction. And uh, I was working in a career and a job that I really hated, and I felt like I sold my soul for a paycheck once again, and I didn't have the guts to leave it, and so my body broke down on me. And I physically and emotionally broke down, and... Um, Thank God, you know, I had been diagnosed as being chronically ill for the three years before that. And now it turns out it was a heart problem. And, you know, if I hadn't been through all of that, they never would have found it. It's a miracle at a 37-year-old they, they actually were able to diagnose it. Nobody ever thought to look at the heart before. And so it's been a year of step three. Steps one, two, and three. I am powerless. I am powerless over income and health insurance and jobs and my future and what's going to happen tomorrow and I'm powerless over all the doctors wanting, you know, me to have a defibrillator implanted and I had moments where I didn't want to kill myself but I didn't want to continue on and um, I take for granted the fact that I have wasn't eating through that whole thing. I really... Like, there are days when I forget at how miserable and dark my life was, and I love it when people remind me that <clears throat> if I eat, then I not only have the problem, I have 
the food on top of it, and you cannot, for me in my experience, I have to remember it's my experience, I cannot deal with anything when I'm eating. First of all, I don't want to deal with anything, and if I do, I'm so nasty and I'm so fear-based that if I made a phone call to Medi-Cal, they would probably hang up on me. It wouldn't happen. It would be really ugly. And, you know, and so this, this year has been like God saying, you've got to stick with me or else you are not going to make it. I mean, just emotionally-wise, you're just not going to make it. And something clicked for me um, at the 100-pounders when I became abstinent again where I stood up and I said, I want to eat tonight. And I... I want abstinence to be more important than anything else in my life again. And that was the turning point for me. And it is more important. It's more important that than if I have a place to live, if I lose my health insurance, if I never find a job that's fulfilling to me, if I ever get married, if it, who knows? I mean, it's more important because without it, I am separated from from God. I am separated from who I'm supposed to be. How can I ever grow if I'm in my addiction? And it's the same as heroin addiction and sex addiction and gambling addiction. I mean, this thing knocks me on my ass. And um, do you know how much time do I have? Four minutes? Okay. Um, so basically, just the message is, is that you can get through everything without food, and then what's the mission or my goal or whatever is to <clears throat> is to learn to, I need the emotional sobriety now. I need to be like emotionally centered in today, just in today, and not be waiting for, oh my God, the phone ring and something's going to happen and this person's going to say that to me and this is going to happen and they're going to come and take me and, you know, like my head can just go and go and go. And, when, and the work that I'm doing now is to just be centered and like, okay, that happened. But how many times has God worked things out for you? How many times? Over and over and over again. And that's why I have people in the program to call because I have amnesia. That's why I go to five meetings a week because my head will start going off into fear lands, you know, like everything's scary and frightening and it's the end of the world. But when I come to a meeting and I hear other people's experience, strength, and hope, when I call my sponsor, she reminds me of, man, you have been taken care of through this whole thing. And and then she shares with me how she's been taken care of. And I'm fortunate if I have a sponsor that's got 23 years of abstinence. I mean, that's amazing. Um, so I want what she has. And the big challenge for me is relationships. And that is something that I am being pushed to work on, and I don't want to. But... Um, I heard some somebody that took a candle talk talk about happy birthday by the way to the birthday people about having a bigger fuller life and that's something that's very frightening to me it's like a bigger fuller life you know I'm so used to being chronically ill or eating that there hasn't been much room for a big life and what's happening right now is that I'm with God's help, one step at a time, um, going back to school. And I have no idea how it's going to be paid for, and I have no idea how I'm going to support myself, and I have no idea. But I do know that I was meant for something other 
than what I have been doing career-wise my whole life. And I do know that some of the greatest joy in my life has been when I have been at school. You know, for somebody that dropped out of high school, that's huge. I mean, like, I love learning. What was I thinking? Learning's fantastic. Um, and so that's given me something to look forward to. And once again, it's this, this step three, turning it over, taking the action and turning it over and trusting that it'll happen when it's supposed to. Um, and just before I wrap up, um, I'm always curious about people's abstinences. So for me, uh, my abstinence is three meals a day and three snacks because I'm hypoglycemic. And I have a food outside food plan uh, where I essentially count calories, and that's worked for me quite beautifully um, because I remember that I'm powerless over food. So that's all I'm going to say. Thanks. Okay, anybody have any questions? What do I do on a daily basis to have a strong relationship with my higher power? Um, first of all, I make sure and work the steps because if I'm not clear in my head, then there's no room for my higher power to come in. Um, I do some meditation in the morning. And I pray in the morning, and I pray at night, and I also, when I'm feeling connected and I'm feeling okay, actually, usually when I'm not feeling okay, I talk to God a lot. Um, like, before I got up to share, because I don't know most of you, I had to be like, your word's not mine. Thy will not mine be done. Constantly. When I pick up a phone to call something, somebody that's scary to me, mostly and everybody except in program is scary. So I have to pray for the strength to do it. So I'm constantly, and if it's not a fear-based request, then it's thank you. Just thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my abstinence. And so I've learned that for me, for me, my God connection didn't work if it was high God in the morning and good night God at night. And then the rest was Erica's will throughout the day. That just didn't cut it. So the more that I try that I can incorporate that. And some people set a reminder on their phone that I know, like every half an hour something goes off to remind them to pray. And so for me that's what's helped. And I also um, go to outside religion. Um, and I'm actually feeling very drawn to doing more of that because... When I'm filled with God, I heard somebody shared a, a part of a reading at a Thursday meeting, and she said, God is my refuge. And that really touched me, and I want to have that feeling all the time, so that's why I'm reaching for it. So, thank you. Hi, um, thank you for your beautiful share. Um, maybe some of those things that you said when you came back to Okay, so what was I not doing during my, during my relapse that I'm doing now? Or basically, what am I doing now? Well, you said you have to do things. You thought about what that was now. Yeah. Right. Specifically, I have, it's like, a, you can get the recovery checklist. I don't know if you have them here. Um, and I have my own, which is, you know, in the morning I do my step work. I journal. I take like 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning, and I sit down and I do my step work, I journal, um, I meditate anywhere from 5 to 10, sometimes 15 minutes if I'm really feeling special. Um, <laughs> I pray, 
And then um, during then for the rest of it, like week-wise, I go to five meetings a week. I call my sponsor on a daily basis. I email my food in a 10-step every night. Um, I have sponsees. So, and I just try to work all of the tools because if I find that I leave one off, then I start to have a problem. And one of the biggest things that's not on that list, and it should be, is that if I have a resentment, I need to write on it right away. And I'm really good at dragging my heels and trying to, like, mentally get myself like, oh, you don't really feel this way. It's no big deal. And it really is because resentment for me and for a lot of us is the, the number one, you know, like, way to start eating again. So, is that it? One quickie. Zippy. Okay. Thank you.